We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. You know, sometimes our self-made solutions create more problems than they resolve. It would have been better if Abraham had prayed something like, Now, God, you brought us here. Please guide, provide, and protect. I'm your servant. Please let me know what you want me to do. But instead, Abram looked to Egypt for provision and protection. And again, it created more challenges to his faith. For one thing, Abraham went from trusting to scheming. And this was caused by fear replacing faith. Well, that's something we've never experienced, right? (laughs) Well, today's broadcast is going to provide us with a wealth of insight as it relates to this very issue, trusting God. This is Study Verse by Verse. Welcome. We are in Genesis chapter 12. Here's Pastor Leighton Sheely as we get things underway on today's broadcast. You know, wherever Abram went in the land of Canaan, He was marked by his tent and his altar. The tent marked him as a stranger and pilgrim who did not belong to this world. And the altar marked him as a citizen of heaven who worshiped the one and true living God. And so he gave witness to all that he was separated from the world by the tent and devoted to the Lord by the altar. Verse 8. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. So he continued south and up in elevation to a place that we know as Jerusalem. And history shows that the sites where Abram constructed altars to God later became major centers of Hebrew worship. How did Abram know where to go? And what to do? Well, the answer is given to us in verse 8. He called upon the name of the Lord. He prayed to the Lord, and the Lord helped him. In our pilgrim life, we must go from faith to faith, grow from faith to faith, and from strength to strength. Some teach that faith is, not be- is, is, is believing in spite of a lack of evidence. That's not faith. Faith is obeying in spite of consequence. Faith is obeying God in spite of consequences. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Faith without obedience is dead, and action without faith is sin. Romans 14. Verse 9. Then Abraham set out and continued towards the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. So he was heading south to the Negev region. Negev means dry and parched. And he, he faced his first challenge there when, uh, when he was hit with a, a famine, or as the word says, hunger. And we don't know what caused that, but the, this area of the world has always teetered on a delicate ecology. 
As a newcomer, he may not have been familiar with the local climate and remember that he had come from a part of the world known as the Fertile Crescent. But this, for Abraham, represented a major test. It, spoken, it carried an unspoken message from the Lord. In all of your praying, in all of your altar building, let me tell you how deep your faith really is. Let me show you how deep your faith really is. You know, we also experience trials in our walk of faith. And it's not because God needs to find out what we're going to do and how we're going to respond. He already knows that. It's rather to, to reveal our condition to ourselves and expose areas for growth and learning. Now, all of us develop coping mechanisms when we hit crisis, which is triggered by our self-preservation reflexes. And for Abraham, it was lying. Or perhaps more precisely, telling half-truths. Now, there's no indication here that Abram used half-truths for self-enrichment. But he did use it repeatedly to save his life. Abraham may have made many altars, but there's no indication of him making an altar or praying for God's guidance when this famine struck. He simply got up and moved to Egypt where the food was more plenteous. F.B. Meyer describes the symbolic meaning of Egypt in biblical literature. He wrote, In the figurative language of Scripture... Egypt stands for an alliance with the world. Abraham acted simply on his own judgment. He looked at his difficulties and became paralyzed with fear. He grasped at the first means of deliverance that suggested itself, much as a drowning man will catch at a straw. And thus, without taking counsel, praying to his heavenly protector, Abraham went down into Egypt. You know, sometimes our Self-made solutions create more problems than they resolve. It would have been better if Abraham had prayed something like, Now, God, you brought us here. Please guide, provide, and protect. I'm your servant. Please let me know what you want me to do. But instead, Abraham, Abram looked to Egypt for provision and protection. And again, it created more challenges to his faith. For one thing... Abraham went from trusting to scheming. And this was caused by fear replacing faith. Verse 11. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. And when the Egyptians see you and they say, this is his wife, then they will kill me but let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake. And my life will be spared because of you. Now, as a good husband, Abraham should have thought of his wife first rather than himself. Now, technically, Abram's lie contained a half-truth because Sarah was indeed his half-sister. They were both born of the same father, but different mothers. But by claiming to be Sarah's brother, he hoped to leverage some local customs to his advantage. If he was identified as her husband, then somebody might get the idea, well, if I kill him, then she's available to remarry and I could take her as my wife. But ancient laws made him the guardian, and anyone interested in taking Sarah as a wife would have had to approach him to get his permission to marry, and he was hoping that he could deflect any interest in his wife. What he failed to consider was his inability to protect Sarah 
from the interest of the Pharaoh. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram required sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants and maid servants, and camels. You know what? Sarah must have been absolutely, stunningly gorgeous, right? I mean, you think about it. Pharaoh's surrounded by young ladies in the prime of life. Sarah's in her 60s or 70s or something like that. And yet her beauty caused such an incredible commotion that it was brought to the attention of the high court and even the Pharaoh himself. And Pharaoh said, I want her. And she was taken into his palace to become his wife. Now, fortunately, ancient marriage rituals included a long period of waiting to ensure that the bride wasn't already pregnant. And so she was in the palace, isolated. Um, And while she's in there, Abraham is receiving many wedding gifts in anticipation of the great day. One wonders how she must have felt because of her husband's uh, cowardice. Here she was in a, imprisoned in a palace, but still imprisonment, with unfamiliar rituals and an uncertain future while her husband's out there eating and drinking along with the elite. And the application for us is this, that our sin always affects others. There's no such thing as a victimless sin. Now, although Abram failed to protect Sarah, God succeeded. Verse 17, but the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abraham's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abraham. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men. And they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. So somehow or other, Pharaoh discovered the truth that Sarah was already married. Maybe it was because she was the only one in the household who didn't get sick. And he brought in Abraham and scolded him and expelled him and his possessions out of the land. And you know what? Abram was fortunate to escape with his life, let alone his possessions, because Pharaoh could have sold him into slavery or had him killed. Which brings up the question then, why might Pharaoh... Let Abram leave unharmed. And perhaps that was because he recognized the God who had protected Sarah was much too powerful than to be trifled with. Abram learned his lesson. He repented and he went up out of Egypt. And the lesson for us in this is this. That when we disobey the will of God, the right thing to do is to go back to the place where we left him and make a new beginning. There's no failure that's permanent in the school of faith. Abraham went back to his tent and altar and the life of a pilgrim and stranger. There's so much we can learn from just this chapter, and there's so many more chapters to come. We learn that God's word leads to faith. Faith leads to obedience. Obedience leads to blessing. And we must not forget that blessing leads to testing. 
The practical lesson from all of this is to never abandon our altar. To always stay in fellowship with the Lord, no matter how difficult the circumstances might become. And if you have disobeyed and God is disciplining you, you need to go back to the place where you left him and make things right. Remember, the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. Now, that's not an excuse or license to sin, but it is an encouragement to come to repentance. Amen. Amen. And amen. Well, this has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, and that will wrap up our look at Genesis chapter 12. Much more in the life of Abram, soon to be Abraham, as we continue on in our journey through Genesis. As we conclude our time today, we remind you that the best way to reach out to us can be through our website, highlands.us. You can listen to past programs, catch up on all the latest at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, find directions to our church, and information about study verse by verse, all at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here Monday for another broadcast of Study Verse by Verse right here in the book of Genesis as we continue our look at Abraham. Until then, God bless.